Catholic commentary. Spiritual warfare. Stay ready so you don't have to get ready. Jesus 911. Soul Patrol, Jesus 911. Today is the feast day of St. Sixtus II. And his companions in St. Cajetan pray for us. Got my partner, Eddie Chavez, every single Monday. Myself, Jess Romero, two-man car, Jesus 911. we got a special guest today, Julian Young. We're going to uh, be having a, a, thoughtful, a, a thoughtful interview with him, thoughtful discussion. You're going to be very interested in we're gonna, what we're going to have to say. Just want to remind you that the Catholic Church dedicates the month of August to the Immaculate Heart of Mary. The Immaculate Heart of Mary is often venerated together with the Sacred Heart of Jesus. That's a devotion that we celebrated in June, as, as you recall, and with good reason. And just like the Sacred Heart represents Christ's love for mankind, the Immaculate Heart of Mary this month represents the desire of the Blessed Virgin Mary to bring all people to her Son. And there's no better example of the Christian life than that offered by the Blessed Mother. So uh, let's make sure that we're praying our rosaries every day. Let's make sure we're doing our Angelus every single day. And let's remember that the, that the role of the Blessed Virgin Mary, the Mother of God, is to draw us closer to Jesus. also want to congratulate Catholics for Catholics. They had an incredible... Uh, uh, rally, prayer rally over in Cincinnati, Ohio this weekend on Sunday. Uh, well over 3,000 people attended. It was almost uh, another another uh, parallel of the Dodgers. And you had many Catholics going out there, many organizations, a lot of lay Catholics, about three, over 3,000 showed up. Uh, Bishop Strickland was one of the speakers. Jim Caviezel was one of the speakers. Abby Johnson was one of the speakers. Uh, Chloe Klo was one of the speakers, a young lady from California who was uh, who's gone through transgender surgery and she's she's suffering severely as a result of uh, be having been pressured by uh, by her parents and the doctor. Uh, you also had Abby Johnson, the uh, the, the the person who the movie was made of, about her life story, unplanned. And uh, God willing, everybody in Ohio votes yes on issue number one. Vote yes on issue number one. The left is flooding Ohio with millions and millions of dollars to try to get Ohio to get become more like a like a Gavin Newsom state. They're trying to have uh, trying to, to to have the Constitution amended so that they can normalize abortion and transgender mutilation surgery. So. Uh, you guys in Ohio, remember, vote yes on issue number one. Vote yes on issue number one and keep Ohio red. Okay, I'm done with that. <laughs> Julian, welcome to the Jesus 911 show, my friend. Thank you so much for having me on. So, so uh, Julian, uh, you're a seminarian. And right. uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and, and, uh, and the situation that you find yourself in right now. As a seminarian who got the vaccine, uh, you you received some physical damage as a result. Tell us, give us a little bit about the background of uh, of, of what happened to you. Sure. Um, so, like you said, yes, I'm a seminarian, or, or I was a former seminarian. Um, I unfortunately decided to get the COVID vaccines uh, when they came out um, in 2021, and as a, a result, I'm sorry, as a result of that. Um, I unfortunately developed a very severe autoimmune uh, illness um, and some other complications that I found out I have uh, mercury poisoning as a result of that. Um, and that's just been wreaking havoc on my health and my body. And I, uh, as a consequence, had to take a medical leave from the seminary after completing my second year. Um, so it's just been a really, really big struggle 
um, trying to regain my health uh, for the past year and a half just to be able to go back to seminary. Um, I started a fundraiser um, in, um, on LifeSite News. They have a platform called Life Funder, um, and that's trying to raise funds to help me get to a, a clinic in Arkansas that will hopefully be the solution to um, resolving my health issues. Give us so, the name of that. Give us the name of that uh, that link, that website on LifeSite News, uh, where people sure. can help help uh, uh, raise money so that you can get the proper medical treatment. Sure. So uh, the platform is LifeFunder. It's affiliated with LifeSite News. So um, if, if anybody listening goes to LifeFunder.com slash Julian's Injury, uh, and my name is spelled J-U-L-I-A-N, so Julian's Injury. Um, also, if you just go to the LifeFunder.com website, my campaign is right on their homepage right now. Um, so that's an easy way to find it as well. Um, so yeah, the, the, funder, uh, the fundraiser has been doing pretty decently for the past, uh, it's been published for about a month um, and it's been pr doing pretty decently. The past few weeks have been a little bit slow. So definitely um, you having me on your show is a great, great help for me. Um, and hopefully um, I'm hoping that it'll give it a bit of a boost so I can get down to that clinic and get the help I need. Julian, let me ask you a question, just point blank. So you're right in the middle of this whole debate. You have, you know, you have, uh, a segment of doctors that say, hey, we got to get the vaccine. This is going to, you know, protect you and this is going to keep you safe. Then you have another segment of doctors, more independent doctors like American frontline doctors and doctors that are not paid by the government. Right. They'll, they'll tell us, no, this is an mRNA injection. Uh, we still don't know the, the, the results of this. This is an experimental vaccine. Don't get it. So you're right in the middle of it. What can you say objectively to people that are on the fence about the vaccine? Objectively, um, I've said it before and I'll say it again, there's no really objective evidence as far as I know and as far as the research that I've read from those uh, frontline doctors who are trying to help people um, that the vaccine really does anything. And I don't even like using that term vaccine because uh, it's not technically that. Uh, it's not. It's technically a, a emergency use authorization. But um, there's no evidence um, that it really helps anybody. I've, know, I've known so many people who who've gotten it and they still gotten COVID, um, people still end up in the hospital sometimes. And then on the other hand, I know people who don't like get the back, who haven't gotten the vaccine, um, they've gotten COVID and it wasn't even severe. Um, or it, it's just a whole range of reactions. Um, and it doesn't seem like the vaccine is doing anything uh, to the positive. And, and actually, we see in a lot of evidence, uh, an evidence to the contrary, where people who have the vaccine or who have received it, um, have been seriously injured and a lot of people have died as a result of it. Um, and the media can deny that all they want, but there's just too much overwhelming, over, I'm sorry, overwhelming and overmounting evidence uh, to suggest that. So that's what and, I would say to people who are on and the And Julian, you're, you're exhibit A. You're exactly. exhibit A of all this. And so when somebody says, oh no, get this, this is safe. <laughs> you can say, you don't know what you're talking about because I'm exhibit A that this is not safe. And, and again, we'll, I like to call it the jab. I like to call it the jab. Eddie, I have any questions for Julian? Yeah, Julian, I'm just kind of wondering, um, you know, when the pandemic started, there was a, a big uh, uh, issue within the, uh, the, the medical profession. Was it right? Was it not right? My question to you is what prompted you to decide to go ahead and get vaccinated? What exactly was it? Were you pressured? Yeah. Was there some kind of what was going on at that time? 
Right. So um, I didn't initially want to get the vaccine. I wasn't particularly concerned for myself um, whether I got the uh, virus or not. Um, the main reason I, I decided to get it was to, um, uh, again, so around this time, there was a lot of confusion um, and right. the media especially was pushing uh, the fear aspect yeah. into people. Um, right. So um, I didn't initially want to get it, but I was concerned for my family because I have a few family members that already have health complications. Um, and my concern was if I got the virus and I passed it along to them, um, it could potentially be disastrous for them. So that was the big reason why I got it. It was a, a fear and concern for them, um, not particularly for myself. Um, at, the seminary, at the seminary where I was studying, um, and just to respect the seminary, I'm going to keep the name private, um, but at the seminary where I was studying, they weren't mandating that we get the vaccines. Um, and I think we're really lucky in that regard because I know a, a lot of other seminaries that were mandating it, um, but they were very strongly encouraging it. Um, and I believe they just, they just thought that was the right thing for us to do. I don't think there was anything, uh, you know, there was any ill intent or anything, obviously, but um, we were very strongly to encourage at one point we even did have a, um, they brought a virologist onto campus to talk to us about, you know, how the immune system works and how viruses affect the immune system and stuff like that. So there was a strong encouragement, but ultimately no one was forced to do what was against their conscience. Again, in my particular case, it was just because I wanted to protect my family members. And then ultimately I realized down the line as I started to begin experiencing complications that that obviously wasn't the right choice. So, yeah. Yes, you know, yeah. I was going to mention just, you know, that was the whole issue about what was happening at that time. I mean, you had people that were generally healthy living in a home where people were not healthy. And so the concern was like Julian said, you know, concern for their family members. So, you know, and then the media played into that, the, the fear factor they put into yes. this was something that, uh, you know, we didn't know about the, the virus itself. We didn't know uh, exactly what was causing all the deaths. So, so it was, it was prime for somebody like yourself, Julian, to decide, okay, for their protection, uh, you know, discounting what it might do to them, but uh, that's, that's what she did. So, you know, God bless you for that. You know, I could, I could also see Julian, how, you know, young guy like you, you want to serve God, you ha have a heart uh, that's on fire for the Lord. You want to be a Catholic priest. You're hearing the Pope, the Holy Father say, get the jab, roll up your sleeve, get the jab. You know, I can see how a young guy like you is going to say, okay, hey, the Holy Father says we should get it, you know, and, and there's and, you know, all these, uh, you know, you have all these guys rolling up their sleeve, Cardinal Supich and Cardinal this, Cardinal that on YouTube, getting the jab and, and Joe Biden, the president. Uh, you know, it was, it was, we were saturated with propaganda. So a lot of people, a lot of people, you know, fell into this and, and I get it how it can happen. Um, so uh, as a result of this, so th this was the environment that all of us, all, all of us were, were, were uh, experienced and, and it was difficult because again, it was kind of even dividing society, the, 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 the ones that were jabbed and the ones that were jabbed not. And so, Julian, what's the website? Well, I want to keep you on for another segment. What's the website where people can help you raise money for your medical costs? What's the website? Sure. So, again, it's lifefunder.com. So that's L-I-F-E-F-U-N-D-E-R. And then slash Julian's injury, J-U-L-I-A-N-S injury. So We'll be right back. Going to a hard break. We got Julian Young. We're going to keep talking to him about uh, his, his uh, dilemma. Now, 
back to Jesus 911. If this call is not an emergency, dial 888-526-2151. Jesus 911, Eddie and myself, we want to help a young brother in Christ, a young seminarian, Julian Young, who got the jab and is now he's got physical complications, physical illnesses as a result of the jab. Julian, what is the website where people can go so that we can raise some money so that you can pay for your medical cost? And because uh, we need you as a we need you as a Catholic priest, young man. What's the website where people go to? Right. So it's www.lifefunder.com slash Julian's injury. So tell us, uh, Julian. Uh, what you experienced after the vaccination with the decline of your health over the past year and a half. T- t- tell us when you discovered something was going on in your body after you got the jab. Right. So so to start, I got the first, uh, I got the two Moderna jabs in um, uh, the summer of 2021. And I didn't immediately recognize anything um, happening with my body, but a few months afterwards, um, I started experiencing inflammation in my lower body that just wasn't going away and it was causing some pain and discomfort. And then um, I got the one of the boosters, um, unfortunately, um, the same year in the winter. And it was really after that, uh, around that same time I had injured my foot and I started experiencing a intense amount of burning and inflammation and tingling in my foot. Um, and it wasn't really that severe of an injury for me to have that bad of a reaction but eventually um, it started spreading up my body as well. Um, and I was in the middle of my spring semester of 2022 at this point, and it was making it very difficult to focus on my studies. Uh, thank God I did manage to finish the semester. But by that summer, I was the inflammation had spread up my body so bad um, that I was relegated to a wheelchair. Um, and I could barely even be on my feet for more than a few minutes or like just with the, the pain spiking up in my feet so bad that I would have to just sit down immediately. So um, it's just been a nightmare over the past year and a half, seeing doctor after doctor. I've been into the ER so many times and I've really gotten no like clear answers. Um, there has been one alternative medicine doctor that's helped me a lot. Um, and I've also tried a lot of the um, frontline COVID critical care. Um, they have um a whole the pro- list the of, protocols um, right the protocols they have right exactly the protocols for um detoxification of the vaccines i've done a lot of the things on that list okay. some things have definitely um made it a little bit of an improvement other things didn't um but i think ultimately at this point it comes down to um dealing with the autoimmune issues now that were triggered by it um and that's why i'm trying to get down to that clinic because it has a really high remission rate for my condition in particular um Julian, I, ho- I hope people like you, I hope you guys get also a, 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 a sizable uh, a sizable monetary benefit one day because this is criminal what happened in our country. And I can't wait till we get the right person in the White House where, where Moderna and all these Pfizer and all these big companies, they need to shell out big money over people that they've injured like yourself. They have to be held accountable. Right. You know, right. just one of the other things I'm thinking too, Jess, is that we have to remember the courage of the people that that researched it, that were not sure, and they decided not to get the vaccine. So guess what? That's me and you and people that that had faith and thinking, well, and not that Julian didn't have faith. Of course, Julian had a different perspective on it. But we we you and I just were like, look, everybody in our household is younger than us. They're gonna be fine. And I don't think I'm gonna get it. And you know, 
thank God we had people that were courageous that didn't get the jab because who knows what could have happened to those of us that had some of the uh, the more the comorbidities I think they were called right. Yeah, Julian, do you think I'm, I'm, me and Eddie believe that this is all part of a you know that kind of kind of another topic, but I don't want to stick with you. But I think this is a whole big depopulation plan, uh, birth control, abortion transgenderism, get people to cut off their body parts, you'll you'll never procreate, the jab, all of this, all of this is being done because there's there's an evil, nefarious intellect behind all of this that wants to depopulate planet Earth. And uh, so let's go back to your issue, Julian. Um, You you obviously still have a vocation. You still have this, this desire to become a priest, right? Yes, of course. Talk a little bit about what happened there, Julian. How how are you uh, prompted to eventually join the seminary and, yeah, and want to yeah. be a priest? Give us a little background there. Yeah, sure. Um, so um, I actually wasn't always a Catholic. Um, I didn't really have um, an upbringing in any particular religious tradition. So I wow. kind of had my own spiritual awakening, so to speak, after high school. Um, but I didn't immediately recognize Christianity as the truth. So I kind of went on a little bit of a winding uh, journey. Um, through different religious traditions before I came to Christianity. Um, And it was really at a point in my life where I had a lot of anxiety and I I prayed to Christ one night and that's kind of what changed everything. Um, Because after that, a fire in my soul kind of just ignited and um, I just recognized him as my savior and I wanted to read scripture and know him more. So um, I became Protestant for a year actually because I didn't know any better. But then I I met a friend who um, I started having Bible studies with and he was Catholic. And that's kind of what led me into the Catholic Church. Um, And I thought I might want to be married at that time because I I had a girlfriend for several years. But um, as I grew stronger in my faith, um, and especially as I attended Mass daily, I started recognizing this strong desire welling up within me um, to want to be the one up there offering the sacrifice. Um, And I think my girlfriend at the time um, kind of recognized this as well. And we eventually came to a mutual decision that God was just calling us in different ways. So... um, we um, just we had a very peaceful end to the relationship, and that's when I started really discerning my vocation seriously. Um, at first, I thought maybe I was being called to the missionary life, and I actually did join um, a missionary society in Paris, France, uh, called the Foreign Missions of Paris, and they uh, they evangelized the Eastern continents. Um, and I spent five months with them, um, just discerning my vocation as a propedeutic um, student. Uh, learning what it was like to be in a part of apostolic life until eventually I realized uh, maybe this is not the vocation that God was calling to me, uh, calling me to after all. So I made a decision to come back to the States and join the seminary. And actually I had just come back right in the nick of time because um, I was just beginning to hear about COVID um, right before I left. And it was a month after I returned to the U.S. that the lockdowns happened. So I would have been trapped there. Um, had it not been for divine providence. Um, Yeah, so basically, as soon as I got back home, I started the application process for the seminary um, in my home diocese, and I entered that fall of 2020. And again, I got two years under my belt, I got the COVID jab, and I got sick, and I've been out for a year and a half now. So it's been just the journey of trying to get back, regain my health. So... Looks like you're. It looks like you're walking in the footsteps of Christ right now, Julian. You're walking the. You're in the passion right now. You're in Jerusalem. You're on the Via Dolorosa. I, I don't know what God has planned for you, but this is part of the purification process. Uh, I, I can tell you that because God purifies all of us through suffering. Uh, Eddie, you got a, a question, comment for Julian? 
Yeah, June, you know, it's a, it's a beautiful story. Like, like most seminarians have a story. Um, I'm just, I'm just overwhelmed with so many that, that are not Catholic. You know, they're having a girlfriend. They're, they want to be married. These things don't work out for them. And so, you know, you start exploring other ways and, and it happened to you at such a young age. So right. that, that, wow. that makes me very happy. Yeah. That, yes. That's, that's beautiful. Yes. Thank you. Yeah. So, so Julian, obviously that zeal is still there, right? I mean, you got, this is like a hiccup on the road, but you, the goal is you still want to be the one offering the sacrifice to God, the father, the sacrifice of Christ, right? Absolutely. And, and as painful as this suffering has been, I do recognize that it is part of a purification and I try to offer that up daily and um, Good job. it has strengthened my faith in a sense. So I do feel like even being sick uh, at home, this is all part of formation for the priesthood. So um, absolutely. Offer absolutely. It up daily. So. Julian, I, I, I'm going to ask you, I'm going to ask you a dumb question. You've probably already gotten the anointing of the sick a few times, right? Uh, yes, I have a number good, of times. Good, good, good. You, do you live at home with your father right now? Your father, mom and dad? I live with my mother. My father's actually deceased. Okay. Um, but yes, I live with my mother and she's been helping me as much as she can to try to get through my sickness as well. So, uh, Do you have any support from some of your fellow seminarians? Are you keeping in touch with them? Is there at least some yes, I, camaraderie there? Uh, yes, absolutely. I still keep in frequent contact with my friends from the seminary. Um, I also have a very, very close friend from my home parish who joined the seminary last year. Um, and he's just been very supportive. Um, and friends from my home parish as well. Just, I've seen an overwhelming amount of support from all of them who want to see me get better and get back to the seminary. So I'm very grateful. Julian, we have about two minutes. What would you like to tell the audience? What would you like to tell the audience? You got two minutes, go. Sure. Um, I would just say overall in terms of the vaccine, what we discussed earlier, um, if you're somebody who's on the fence thinking um, whether or not it's something that would be helpful for you to get. I would just ask you to consider all the evidence that we've seen. Um, and I would also just ask, please, if you wouldn't mind, uh, if you're a listener and you wouldn't mind supporting me, helping me on my journey, get back to the seminary. Um, again, we could you could go to the Life Funder um, that I mentioned earlier. The link there is www.lifefunder.com slash Julian's Injury. Again, my name is spelled J-U-L-I-A-N. And then also, if you just go to the Life Funder page, uh, their home page, my campaign is right on their home page. So, um, it's again, it's affiliated with LifeSite News. You can find them through there as well. Um, but yeah, and also just please be assured of my prayers for you. I'm so grateful for everybody who has donated so far. Um, and yeah, I'm just grateful for all the support that everybody has given me so far. So I'm going to ask everybody that listens to the show to offer a rosary for Julian Young, that God would give him uh, the graces to heal his body through the intercession of our mother. So I'm going to ask anybody listening to this show, I'm going to ask you to commit to offering a rosary for the intentions of Julian Young. And, and, and you, we all know what his intentions are, because these are the type of young men that we need in seminary to become the priests uh, of, of, of uh, the next the next uh, generation, uh, people with zeal, people with love, people that have an authentic vocation, people that are not, uh, you know, th there's no guile in these young men. They just love Jesus Christ and they want to serve him. There's no political ambition. There's no, uh, you know, there's no, uh, you know, I, 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 I want to climb as high as I can. These people are just pure young men that love Jesus. And uh, I want to ask everybody to offer a rosary for Julian Young, everybody that offers this, listens to the show. Eddie, comment? 
Yeah, just I think you know we, we're this is a good cause. This is this is one of the men that that we'll look back in our lives and we think of men that were in the seminary and, and for some reason uh, they didn't complete it, and we we're sorry that they didn't complete it. We're sorry that somebody that has the the the, uh, the desire to offer the sacrifice, like Julian just said, uh, to keep going. And so, you know, we just we just uh, give him our prayers. We offer our donations for him. Yes. And uh, so that he could, uh, uh, in turn, pray for us. I mean, that's the way it works, right? That's right. Especially one day, God willing, he becomes a priest. What's the name of the website again, Julian? Give us the name of the website where people can uh, support uh, your cause so that we can pay for your medical expenses. What's the website? Your www.life thunder.com slash julian's injury and just to spell it out for clarity uh that's l-i-f-e-f-u-n-d-e-r and then dot com slash j-u-l-i-a-n-s-i-n-j-u-r-y holy mary mother of god pray for julian now and at the hour of his death amen name of the father son of the holy spirit julian thank you for coming on brother god bless you We'll keep Thank on letting you. our audience know about your uh, about your situation. God bless you. Keep the faith. God bless you too. Thank you so much. Thank you, Julian. Now, back to Jesus nine one one. If this call is not an emergency, dial eight eight eight. Five two six two one five one. Jesus nine one one two man car soul patrol. Eddie, that story uh, it touched. It was very touching just to see a young man that's been injured by the uh, the great reset by the diabolical system of this world. Yeah, you could just see he's a young guy that has a pure heart. He just wants to serve Jesus Christ, and uh, he was he was. Um, he was he was guided by the wrong voices, Eddie. Yeah, Jess, and you know, he, here's somebody that that did what so many other people did as well. Yeah. It didn't have the effect on everybody, but it has the potential to have the effect. So yes. we want to just offer some prayers, uh, offer him any kind of money that we can, yes. so that he can get back to where he needs to be. Because we need people like him, Jess. Amen, Eddie. Let's jump right back to our Libra Crystal training. Yes. Uh, the uh, the book is called the Libra Crystal Method. A Field Manual for Spiritual Combat by Dr. Dan Schneider. This is the intel- yeah, there you go. This is the intellectual property of Father Chad Ripperger and Kyle Clement. They're the they're the ones that started the Pope Leo the Thirteenth Institute of Exorcist over in Mundelein Seminary. So Eddie, we left off where it says uh, I'm going to pick it up where it says uh, uh, I'll take it in, in the the top paragraph there where it says okay. although it may not appear to the so to the observer, all warfare is conducted by rules of engagement. Makes sense to us, obviously. Thus, Rogers begins the instruction with, quote, all rangers are to be subject to the rules and articles of war. So Dan, Dan Schneider's taken uh, the book, for Rogers' Rules for Rangers. He's, a, he's an army ranger. And he takes a lot of the way that book is written and he applies it to this in spiritual warfare. He says, bear in mind three essential factors of effectively of effective tactical engagement vis-a-vis the demon, that is, the demon is a strictly ordered spiritual being who follows the rules of engagement as established by God through natural law and divine positive law. You, you remember the movie Nefarious, Eddie, where the demon says, 
He knows more theology than everybody on earth and anybody on earth. And the demon also said in the movie Nefarious, uh, he said that uh, uh, he's a... Uh, uh, yeah, uh, he knows more theology than anybody in the uh, on earth, and he also says that uh, yeah that he kn- he knows the law or he he knows the laws of the uh, of of uh, of God. He knows them better of than God. anybody else. Yeah, yeah. yeah. right. God. Yeah. Dan writes. This means that the demon will either yield or not yield according to the answer to these three questions, and this is classic Father Ripperger training here. Does the person have requisite authority to pray over the person who's diabolically afflicted? Number one, that's the first thing that the demon is, is, looks at. When somebody's praying, does that person have the requisite authority? Or is this Tia Maria laying hands on the neighbor, uh, you know, the Robinson kid, uh, uh, you know, uh, in her, in her, in, on Tuesday in the parish basement? The second thing is, what is the state of merit of the petitioner? And is he or she in a state of grace? That's the big one right there. Is the person that's seeking help from the church, are they living a clean, pure life and living in a state of grace? That's the big one right there because that's where most people are going and want it. they want to get prayed for, but their interior life is a mess. They're in mortal sin. And they're saying, oh, I can't change. I can't pray. I can't go to mass. My will is weak. I can't, I can't. The third thing that the demon looks for what specifically is the petitioner asking? In other words, is the, is the person that's seeking help from the church over, the, over diabolical affliction, do they just want the pain to go away? Or are they asking the church, I want to be a holy man or a woman back in a right relationship with God the Father through Jesus Christ and his sacraments by going to Mass every Sunday and living a, a clean, pure life during the week? Is that what they're asking? Or they just want, are they just want Father, Father! Take the pain away. Take the pain away. But they have no desire to change. The demon knows that. And so that's what uh, that's what's outlined here in the liber crystal model. De- uh, Ed, any comments, questions? Yeah, Jess, to... you know, that's, yeah. that's one of the things that's so important because after the priest casts the demon out, then is a person willing to invite God in. And that's, Ed, that's a main portion we're talking about because if they have no desire to do that, like you said, they just want the bad things to stop happening, the bad yes. nightmares, the appearances yes. of, of shadow figures. Well, guess what? Uh, you can hate that all you want. And it's going to keep happening unless you invite God in and change your life. So that's essentially what we're talking about, Jess. Yeah, see, so here's the genius of this method, Eddie, is that the other models, other Protestant models and stuff and other deliverance models, what they do is they'll drive the demon out by prayers, 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 but then there's no aftercare. So the person goes back and continues to live a life, you know, away from God in mortal sin. They don't have a prayer life. They don't have an interior life, a sacramental life. So what happens? They're back knocking at your door in two or three weeks or a month. Where Father Ripper's program, what they do is they front load. They front load. All the aftercare that should be done, that's not be done, he does all the aftercare before the prayers. So the person is now prepared, the soul is prepared to receive the pounding of the priest's prayers in a minor or a major exorcism. Does that make sense, Eddie? Yeah, just that's perfect sense. And you know, you have to you have to uh, realize just that that being prepared for what you're about to undergo is so important. I don't think uh like like you said uh last week, you know, uh, Father Ribberger just kind of uh, did a, a service to to the exorcism ministry here because um I think that a lot of people try to play catch up uh, by doing uh, some aftercare after the demons come back, 
But by that time, you probably need the priest to do it again because, uh, uh, you know, they, like you said, they fall into mortal sin. A lot of them have no idea what being in a state of grace is, Jess. And so uh, they're not catechized properly. So this is this is part of what the, the exorcist, uh, that's why they need a great team, first of all. And then the team has to participate in that as well. That's right. So it says here, um, as, as Roger's rules show, the battle's won by paying attention to detail, strictly adhering to standard operating procedures, which allow for safe and effective fighting and knowing the rules of engagement. This manual is part of the Libra Crystal method, which is a four-phase diocesan uh, protocol for handling cases of diabolical affliction as developed by Father Chad Ripperger and the Society of Our Most Holy Sorrowful Mother. Uh, they're just an order of exorcists. That's all. That, that's the that's their charism. As such, it is the fruit of the field experience of Father Father Ripperger and that of his longtime assistant, about twenty years, Kyle Clement. While the the SMD, uh, the Society of Our Most Sorrowful Mother, their teams use this manual in their apostolate. It can also be used by Catholics seeking to clean up any lingering effects of spiritual affliction. The reader who employs these prayers and tactics should do so upon the consultation with his local pastor or spiritual director. Apart from the old television show, there's no such thing as a lone ranger. A soldier works with a hierarchy, hierarchy of command and control. And for most Catholics, this begins with our parish priest. The wife should also speak with her husband about these prayers and let him be the team leader on this spiritual campaign. Do you want to pick it up from there? Sure, just it goes on here. It says a Catholic approach to liberation always involves the sacraments. Our approach is based upon this re reality, which also included many uh, prudential elements as a result of years of experience, which, in our judgment, maximizes the effectiveness of the protocol. The reader should also note that this manual represents the second phase of the of the four phase phases in which we help to identify and remove obstacles to grace. Equally important is the first phase, whereby the household follows a strict prayer discipline for 30 consecutive days before picking up this book. The first phrase, uh, the first phase prayer regimen is listed briefly in Appendix A. Our experience is that the demon responds as much to the, uh, uh, to the imposition of order as he does to the prayers themselves. Eddie, that's an important line right there. That that last line there, the imposition of order. You'll find that most people that are diabolically afflicted, I'm going to give you kind of a, they'll they get up late. Uh, you know, they 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 don't eat right. They're watching all kinds of garbage on television. They listen to mu bad music. Uh, they're not exercising. Uh, they don't. They're not going to mass. They don't pray. They got bad friends. Just it's just bad living. So. What Father says here is the first thing that we have to do is we have to impose order. You just read it. Impose order in their life. Get up at 7. Do your bread. Brush your teeth. Eat a good breakfast. Don't pop open a beer. Don't turn on rock and roll music in, in the morning. Start your morning prayers. Live a clean life. Work out. Uh, eat three times a day. Don't eat junk food. Just the, the, don't watch garbage on television. Don't watch garbage on the internet. The whole imposition of order, this is all part of the spiritual healing, is to teach the person to live from an unclean life and a disordered life to a clean life and an ordered life. Does that make sense? Yeah, just, you know, and it can't be understated just because, or overstated, because uh, people that are not involved in this ministry have no idea, the people that come to the church for, yeah. for exorcism or deliverance, this is exactly what's going on in their life. It's disordered, and uh, <laughs> they, they don't have any... 
a strict discipline in their life. And, and just this is what gets them in trouble with the demons. The demons see a, a low, low hanging fruit and they grab it. Exactly. <laughs> yes, exactly. It, they're just soft targets. Demons look yeah. at somebody who's living in mortal sin and living a disordered life and no prayer life. Man, they're all over that like, you know, white on rice. Okay, go ahead and That's pick it up true. from there. Okay. Uh, okay. The, this, uh, that first phrase is by analogy a pre-combat checklist, which ensures one's readiness to sustain the, uh, the dress and demands of battle. And this is a battle, Jess. We're talking about a battle between yeah. good and evil. Yeah. This is yeah. probably the, the ultimate battle. Yeah. Thus, a life ordered uh, to prayer presupposes the ability to effectively engage the enemy. Accordingly, one should not see this manual as a quick fix, which contains special prayers previously unknown to Catholics. Rather, this is a plan for sustained tactical operations. Just order is not just when they come to the church. They don't get their life order just to come to the church and have Father pray over them. They have to maintain that order. Yes. With the rest of their life. And that's what people have a hard time doing is maintaining that order. Completely, Eddie. Uh, you know, a guy that goes to boot camp and any of the four branches of service, once they're, they finish boot camp, basic training, they don't you know, stop picking up their weapon and stop shining their shoes and stop marching and start doing their drills. It's something, it, boot camp was just the beginning. It's, it's right. now what they have to do uh, as they serve the country. The, the same as it is with spiritual warfare. This is teaching a person to soldier up, and then once they get prayed for, guess what after? you got to continue to soldier up. You don't stop what we taught you. Jesus 911, two-man car. We're talking about the Liber Crystal Method going page by page. We'll be right back. Stick around. Don't go anywhere. Now, back to Jesus 911. If this call is not an emergency, dial 888-526-2151. Lord, come to my assistance. Lord, make haste to he- make haste to help me. Psalm sixty-nine, verse two. We're we're talking about the Liber Crystal method, a field manual for spiritual combat. The book just came out. Tanbooks.com. Tanbooks.com, written by Dr. Dan Schneider, who's on Father Ripperger's exorcism team. He takes Father Ripperger's intellectual property of sixteen years, and he wrote it in a manual that's in twelve lessons. That's very readable and it's very easy, where he explains the methodology from Liber Crystal. Eddie, in the next paragraph, this is an important, the the first sentence that jumps out is very, very important. It says, the goal of our program is not the cessation of pain, but reconciliation with God the Father. By reconciliation, moreover, we mean two interwoven concepts. Formerly speaking, reconciliation is the process by which divine friendship is restored after after having been lost due to grievous sin. Thus, referring to the sacrament of penance, the Council of Trent refers to the reconciling of the faithful who have fallen after baptism. Reconciliation then is defined as as the conference of grace, the conference of grace, which produces a salutary effect of deliverance from the guilt of sin, and in the case of mortal sin, from its eternal punishment. Hence, also reconciliation with God, justification, first and foremost. Then this program leads you to the most important form of deliverance. That is, from the guilt and eternal punishment due to mortal sin. The line that jumps out at me is this one, the very first one, is that the goal of the program is not the cessation of pain, but reconciliation with God the Father. What do I mean by that? Eddie, when I lived in Los Angeles, 
there was these healing masses that w- went on for 30 years, and they're beautiful. Don't get me wrong. I've been to a bunch of them. But it, it also does turn some low-hanging fruit Catholics into spiritual heroin addicts. What do I mean? Eddie, I would see the same persons at, at you know, Father Mike Sears healing mass, Father John Ham's healing mass, Father... Same persons are coming to these healing masses. I'm saying, what are you doing here? Oh, yeah, I'm, you know, I see shadows. I'm seeing demons in the house. You know, I get scratches at night. And I see them from one event, the same people getting prayed over. And so I would Playing ask by the spirit, them. Just, yes. Just and I, by the spirit every time. And I would ask them, I would say, well, weren't, didn't, weren't you healed last month? They say, yeah, but it came back. And I see them next month. Weren't you healed last time when Father prayed? Yeah, I was. They left. I felt good for two or three weeks, but they, they, but, but, but they came back again. That's what Father Ripperger is talking about here in that first sentence, is that the Liber Crystal program is just not made to f- make you feel good for a few days or a few weeks. It's to reconcile you back with God the Father so you're completely healed. And so that doesn't happen without the person actively working on their own interior life. And it has to be done himself because this is going to ring with, ring with you, Eddie. It's just like getting in shape. How hard is it to get in shape? Very difficult. How easy is it to get out of shape? Very easy. It's same thing with diabolical affliction, inviting a demon into your life. How easy is it to invite a demon into your life? Very easy. How hard is it to get the demon out of your life? Very difficult. And, and, and Father Ripperger even goes on to say that w- one mortal sin, one mortal sin, remember you have no felt, no relationship with God, the soul is black. One mortal sin is enough for you to get diabolically possessed. So I asked him one day, so why aren't more people diabolically possessed? He goes, it's only because of God's mercy. God holds back the hand of the demon. He restrains them from possessing everybody who commits mortal sin. If God would not restrain the demons, Eddie, 90% of the world would be walking around diabolically manifesting with full diabolic possession. But God in his mercy does not allow them to possess everybody who commits mortal sin or planet Earth would be more of a mess than what it is right now. Can you imagine just, I mean, you know, without God's mercy, which we pray for every Sunday, every day at Mass, uh, but but to, to think that the whole world could be in a worse situation than it is now, <laughs> yes, I mean, I, it's hard to imagine, but I know it could be that way. Yeah. And uh, no, that's, that's a very, very important thing that God's mercy is keeping our heads above water. <laughs> Go ahead and open up the next paragraph, jump on it. Okay, the former chief exorcist of the Diocese of Rome, Father Gabriel Amor, affirmed the power of the sacraments when he asserted emphatically that confession is stronger than exorcism. According to the late exorcist, Satan is more enraged when we take souls away from him through confession than we when we take bodies through exorcism. He asserts that sacramental penance is the most direct means to fight Satan. This sacrament, he says, tears souls from the demon's grasp, strengthens against sin, unites us more closely to God, and helps to conform our souls increasingly to the divine will. He counsels all Catholics, especially those afflicted by evil spirits, which we just learned is probably most of us, to make (laughs) frequent, even weekly confessions. Jess, I mean, the, the line that stands out to me for that is that confession is stronger than exorcism. Just we see movies made on exorcism. We see actors going out there and, you know, nefarious. All these, this, this is possession. But 
confession is stronger than how many movies have we seen on confession? I know. We should, we sh- you're right. We should show a, a movie showing the whole world the power of the sacrament of confession. Father Ripperger says, Jess, more demons are driven out in the sacrament of confession. You just can't see them. They're being driven out uh, way more than, in the, in, than any exorcism around the world. Uh, and uh, Eddie, I remember your wife even saw it one day. She saw there was some person that was going to confession out there in your parish. And yes. your wife was standing in line. And uh, there was a battle going on in the confession. But unfortunately, that priest was kind of like the nefarious priest. He was a modernist. And so there was no liberation. The demon, the demon just tormented the young lady because that priest was, uh, he was, he was uh, uh, just like the, the priest in the Farius. Demons have no respect. Yeah. They have no respect for modernist liberal priests. They don't because those priests are on their team. Exactly. Jess, there's another thing too, because, you know, when we allow fear to enter in, that's a huge thing because the, the, yeah. the demons feed off of fear. Yeah. So that priest ran out of the confessional and he no longer did priests within the uh, did confessions within the confessional. He was in a chair with in front by the altar for for a year and a half afterwards. And and the person that he was in battle with in, in the confessional, she picked up on that. She knew she knew what was going on. She uh, yeah. So anyway, you're right though. It's a modern it's a modernist problem that we have. Yeah, they don't. Uh, the pre- uh, demons know if a priest is a liberal, just like the movie Nefarious. And they're like, at first they're afraid because the priest walks in. Whoa. He's got holy orders. He's got, he's got, uh, he's ordained. He's got holy orders. But then once they start talking and, 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 and letting them know their theology, where they're coming from, then the demon's like, hey, I like you, and sticks their hand out. Uh, but a holy priest that's faithful and orthodox, priests, demons shudder when they enter the room. Shudder when they enter the room. Eddie, you want to pick up the last paragraph? Go ahead. Yeah, let's do this one. Uh... Many seeking deliverance, therefore, first need to return to the state of grace through a good confession. Uh, by, uh, by state of grace is meant the restoration of divine friendship and thus the condition of a soul as pleasing to God because it is free from mortal sin. To be clear, mortal sin leaves the soul completely unprotected from the wiles of the devil. What about those individuals, however, who are in a state of grace and still then, uh, still find themselves spiritually afflicted due to curses, abuse, previous occult activity, or living in an infested home? This person still requires reconciliation, but in a nuanced sense. By way of analogy, consider the canonical process that must take place when a church building is violated. By definition, a church which has been desecrated in some manner a uh, fact which is more commonplace among today's anar- uh, anarchic, anarchic anti-Catholic movements must formally be reconciled. So they've got to be formally reconciled when that happens. In canonical parlance, this type of reconciliation means the act of re-blessing or reinstating. By definition, it must be reconciled by the bishop before it can be used for sacred services. Let's see if you can get the last paragraph. Those in a state of grace who still suffer diabolic affliction as a result of being violated by other people through curses, abuses, etc. may also need reconciliation. As in a desecrated church where the demon is invited into a sacred place through an evil act, the demon's presence to such a person is ultimately offensive to God, even though he permits it at times. Thus, by reconciliation, we refer not only to the restoration of divine friendship to those who had lost it due to mortal sin, but also to the process of removing the demons from the person's body, exterior goods, etc. This person also needs reconciliation as the presence of the demon 
analogously is the violation of a sacred space, a soul possessing sanctifying grace, just like the violation of a consecrated church building due to the institutional nature of the diabolical presence, both instances are offensive to God and both require an institutional and an ecclesial response. Our four-faced protocol is part of that formal response by the local church. What Father Ripperger means by that, he says that some t- people that are possessed institutionally require institutional exorcism. In other words, the church must respond with a priest uh, with the mandate of the bishop. If, for example, like if it's institutional, they got cursed through Freemasonry. They got went through a black mass. There was institutional satanic curse. There are different ways where people uh, become possessed and they do it through institutions like Satanism, uh, a witchcraft, uh, Freemasonry, uh, the Illuminati, uh, the, the, the Bohemian Grove by dancing naked in front of that, uh, that uh, demon statue owl. in front of that lake, that owl. So when you go through institutional possession because you've invited a demon through an institutional modality, it requires the Catholic Church, that 800-pound gorilla, to institutionally respond to set the person free. Now, if it's not institutional, if you're just kind of a dummy and, you know, you're just kind of like, you know, going to gentlemen gloves and, you know, fornicating with the prostitutes and, you know, watching porn on the Internet. If it's non-institutional possession, uh, a minor exorcism could drive out the demon or phase one and phase two, just cleaning up your life, returning to a state of grace, getting a strong protocol of prayer and living a clean, pure life. Ninety percent of the, of this will clear up with the phase one, phase two protocol. Eddie, that's pretty much a wrap for the show today. But we'll pick it up next week. I think uh, I'm getting good feedback from the audience. They're really liking the fact that we're taking our time with this and going this methodically. But any comments from you, Eddie, before we wrap it up? Yes, you know this this manual here is something that I, I'm gonna I'm gonna take to my grave because it's something <laughs> that uh, can we can use even if there's no diabolical affliction. We want to ramp up our prayer life. Yes. You know, we want to uh, get closer to God. This is it right here. This is we just gotta follow this method. And so, thanks be to God that. Uh, uh, Dr. Dan uh, did that for us, and we're gonna we're gonna focus on that in the next few weeks. Yeah, absolutely, guys that just want to become holy. I know priests and just people that are in exorcism teams. They just do the they just follow the prayer protocol. Just saying, this is for me. I want to stay strong and protected. Hey, that's a wrap. Thanks a lot, brother. We'll see you next Monday. You're listening to Jesus Nine One One Two Man Card. Just remember Eddie Chavez every Monday here, looking at the Libra Crystal methodology, going by it uh, line by line, verse by verse. Uh, up next, Gary Machuda, hands-on apologetics, coming to you from the Midwest Command Center. Stick around. You don't want to miss uh, high-level apologetics. As for us, EOW, we are end of watch. We are out. God bless you. Keep the faith. <laughs>